This is the Salted Caramel Podcast. Welcome back. My name is David Cook. I'm the Stewardship Director. And with me is my co-host, the very vivacious Jody Curtis. We have the absolute pleasure to bring our prisoner stories to the forefront of the entire world. Jody, who is our guest today? David, I'm thrilled today to announce uh, my friend as our guest, Amy Nichols. Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and some roles you've had in the parish? Absolutely. Um, I am married to Greg, my husband, and we have three children, Jake, who is in college, and Lizzie, who's a senior, and then my youngest son is Matthew, who is in the life skills. He's autistic at Carmel High School. We have been parishioners at Our Lady since 2004. And I would say I've been involved in several different things. I was um, in the children's ministry when I first joined. And then I was asked to be on the Merciful Works Committee. So that was kind of my first dabbling into a committee, which I really enjoyed. And then I think it was you, sweet Jody, that asked me to be on parish council. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was yep. an honor. It was, it was an honor and I loved it. it. It was so awesome to get to know people on a much deeper level and just to literally hang out with Father Richard in his own home. Um, that was amazing. It was an amazing involvement doing that. Um, I was also a Mary's Way speaker, which was a very amazing experience that I was asked to do. And then I was on Chirp Team 61, which is probably the best thing that ever happened to my spiritual life. Oh, nice. I was also at the Mary's Way dinner when you spoke, Amy, and it was beautiful. So thank you. I have a lot of good stories to share. So I'm glad you're here to share with our podcast listeners today as well. Thank you. Can you expand on the Merciful Works Committee? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yes, we were just trying to really get our parishioners to focus on acts of mercy and acts of service. And it was actually, I believe it was the special year that I'm trying to think what it was where the Pope had declared it was the year of mercy. And so we were just really trying to get everyone to be kind of put that at the forefront of their minds. So we had these awesome posters that hung in the church, just reminding everyone about the corporal acts of mercy. And that was about it. I mean, it, it was it was a really awesome thing. It just lasted for a year, but it was a nice way to kind of get my feet wet on a committee. And then it kind of grew from there. Yeah. Nice. Well, once we rope you in, we'll, we'll definitely. <laughs> I, I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good at that. Um, so let's, let's dive in, Amy. Um, can you tell us about a time in your life before you had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, I was trying to think about that. And I don't really think there was a time that I didn't have some sort of a relationship with Jesus. I came from a very big Irish Catholic family. And my mother and father were very devout Catholics. Um, My mom was at daily mass every single day, did not miss daily mass until COVID came along. And it it just has always been very, very important. Our faith has been at the forefront of everything in our life. So even when I was a child, I was a cantor at church. I was reading at church. I remember at one point in middle school, I was very boy crazy, um, but our religion teacher, I went to a very small Catholic school, Washington Catholic, Washington, Indiana. And one of our religion teachers was constantly asking me if I felt called 
to be a, a nun or be, you know, in some sort of ministry. And I would literally run away from him in the hallway because I did not want to do that. I was too boy crazy. <laughs> so I would pray, pray, pray all the time. Oh Lord, please don't, please don't ask me to be a nun. I like boys too much. Um, so it's, it's really funny now that I think about it, because I think he knew that, you know, that was not my path, but he definitely had things that he wanted me to do. Um, so through the years, those things have come to fruition. Um, but I would say probably when I went to college was the one time that if Jesus was ever in my backseat, that was probably when he wasn't driving, driving the, the car there. But I was very fortunate. Even then I lived with two girls that were Catholic. And I can remember we didn't go to mass every Sunday, but we went pretty frequently. And I I have great memories of praying the rosary together. Now, that's not to say we didn't go to the bars and have an absolute blast. Um, But even then, you know, it it was still very important to me. My Catholic faith was always there in the forefront of my mind. Um, And then even after, you know, I, I met a wonderful husband, I prayed, gosh, all the time for, you know, a man that would come into my life that loved Jesus and Mary. That was always my prayer. And my husband was not Catholic, uh, but he did end up converting, which was a wonderful thing. And um, immediately, you know, we had that connection of faith, which was great. We had two kids um, pretty quickly and life was just going along perfectly. You know, everything seemed to be great. We liked our jobs. I was a teacher in Carmel. He's a banker, having so much fun with our kids. And then everything really happened um, probably in 2003, I would say. And that was like probably the pivotal moment of my life. And that is when my oldest brother, so I'm the seventh child. I don't think I mentioned that, Um, but my oldest brother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And we found out, I believe it was right after Thanksgiving, and he died 31 days later. He was 47 years old. So that was quite a shock. And I think that that was a moment um, where I really had to step back and say, you know, what is my relationship with Jesus? And am I ready to meet him? Because my brother was so young. Mm -hmm. So that was definitely a big, big moment in my life. and, and that is the first time I think that I felt called where Jesus pretty much, and, and the Blessed Mother as well, because I, I've always had a devotion to Mary. I had to step up uh, to my A game. Um, my brother had some young kids and I felt very called to speak to them about his death and about what was going to happen to their daddy. And so I, I prayed to the Holy Spirit and I was given the the strength and the peace with, with his death and I was able to speak with them. So I would say that was probably a big pivotal moment, which turned into a much bigger thing for me um, with my evangelization and just my relationship with the dying. Yeah. Nice. So how did, how did that change your life or change your spirituality? Well, from that moment on, I just really spent more time in deep prayer and I could feel physically feel the Holy spirit working through me during that time. Um, and I just knew, I knew that there was something bigger being asked of me and it was quite scary because I just didn't quite know what that was going to be. Well, it wasn't, but a year later that my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at that time she was in her late thirties. So all of a sudden, here we go again, you know, I've got another sibling, um, dealing with cancer. 
And I had to step up to the plate once again, not only to be her cheerleader and try to be her positive influence, um, but also to be her spiritual backup as well. And my sister, Jody, I know she was a friend of yours. So you, you know this story well, but she suffered so beautifully uh, for about 10 years. She had some really good years and she had some really hard years. Um, yeah. But that was kind of my first glimpse into the beauty of dying. And it, it, it's really interesting how God just gave me like a little taste of, taste of it with my brother's death. And then with my sister, you know, being in the same town with her, I was able to be by her side and truly see, obviously, how hard it is to go through that, but also the beauty that comes from that as well. Um, so right after she was diagnosed, then I gave birth to my third child. And we found out very quickly that there wasn't, there was something that wasn't quite right with him. He wasn't meeting his milestones. And we found out that he had, um, moderate to severe decreased white matter of the brain. And that was like the year after my sister was diagnosed. So once again, you know, God is shaking things up for me. Um, but because I had that um, foundation, you know, from the previous years of just really turning to him in these times, I think that is what continued to carry me through this. And at that point, I really, really turned my life over um, to, to the Blessed Mother mainly. And I just begged of her to heal my son because I said, my goodness, you know, I lost my brother. My sister has cancer. Now this, you know, what, what can you do? What can you do? Can you help me? And I really believe that the Blessed Mother said, you know what? I'm not going to heal him, but I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal your heart and I'm going to spiritually carry you through this. And from that moment on, I'm telling you, I was on fire for Mary. It, I, I can't even really describe it, but I could not get enough of her. I read about every apparition. I read about all of her promises uh, through Fatima and Lourdes, and I just couldn't get enough of her. And right at that time is when I went through CHIRP. So I know that that was divinely orchestrated <laughs> um, because, of course, CHIRP puts you on fire for the Holy Spirit. So now I'm on fire for Mary. I'm on fire for the Holy Spirit, you know, and it, it was even though it was a very difficult time um, watching my sister go downhill, it was also the biggest spiritual growth period of my life. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit more as um, as your sister Melinda was suffering more and you said you learned the the beauty of death as well. What what do you mean by that? Well, I I, I like to tell people I have been given um, the gift of seeing that because I don't think everyone sees that. Some people run away from death when they find out a friend's dying or a family member's dying, they just simply think they can't do it. So they don't even go near that person because they don't know what to say. They're afraid they'll say the wrong thing, but I'm kind of the opposite. That's kind of where I thrive. Um, so I go towards that, whether it's someone I know or someone I don't know, I feel like it is my duty to try to save as many souls as I can while I'm here. Oh, and death is like the go time. I mean, that, that as, as they would say in coaching, you know, this is what you prepared for. So you have to jump in and you don't know how much time you have, but 
I just feel like that is the time where we have to go in and just surround these people with love and tell them about heaven and tell them about Jesus and, and, you know, talk to them about prayer life. Um, one of my good friend's mother was dying and I went to see her in the hospital and I asked if I could pray with her. And she said, I don't even know how to pray. So I had an opportunity to, to not only pray with her, but to teach her how to pray. Oh, nice. So I just feel like that, that, I guess that's kind of what I mean. When you see the beauty in death, there, there is so much beauty there. If you can like look past the grief and just holding their hand as they cross over to the next life, is just such an honor. Um, whether that means physically holding their hand or just, you know, sending them texts and calling them and just being there for them in their last days. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful, Amy. Uh, I know since you run towards death, if you ever start hanging out with me more, (laughs) I'll get a little worried. (laughs) Yeah, don't get nervous. (laughs) Uh, So just to clarify for our listeners, uh, it's kind of, you always seem to have a very steady foundation. um, And then Lord slowly pulled you closer and closer through the beauty of death. I love that phrase. but then you'd say chirp really turned things on with the with your admiration of Mary and the Holy Spirit, or was it the the birth of your son and going through that too? Absolutely, I would say it was all of those things. Um, but the beautiful thing about chirp is, first of all, I think you find out that everyone is carrying crosses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to sit at church on Sunday and look around and think, oh, nobody else understands. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Look how beautiful their family is. Look how great their kids are. And you go to chirp and you realize, oh, yeah, that beautiful family, they have problems, too. Everybody has crosses to bear. And I think, number one, that that is just so awesome to find that out. If if you didn't know that already, that is a great way to find out <laughs> that yeah. everyone has problems. Um, and then just kind of, it's almost as if, you know, you're, I don't want to say like you're standing there naked, but you know, everyone is just looking at your soul as a person instead of what's on the outside. So chirp kind of removes everything and just gets to the deepest part of, you know, who you are as a person. And and we all need fellowship and we all need, if you're a woman, you need ladies to surround you. If you're a man, you need guys to hang around with that that have that same mindset as you do. And Chirp absolutely gave that to me. And still, you know, it's been, gosh, 14 years, I think now, I talk to those girls weekly. And those are, those are my accountability partners. You know, they're the ones like making sure I get to the finish line and making sure we all get to heaven together. So nice. It truly was a beautiful thing. And I think that was all planned out. You know, God has these beautiful divine plans, but I think chirp happens at the right time for you. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think think if we did a percentage of uh, parishioners whose testimonies that we've done so far on the show, I I feel like 60% would attribute chirp a major faith foundation in their life. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And Amy, I know that your extended family has been through a lot, even more than you've shared with us today. But what what do you do when you feel like maybe your cross is just too heavy to bear? Yes, um, there's definitely days that I feel like that. And sometimes 
There's a lot of days like that. Um, I lost my father this fall. I lost my sister-in-law two months ago. Um, and then my son, my autistic son is now getting, you know, very difficult at times. And it does, it feels like the cross is so heavy. And I have found that going to the Adoration Chapel is a huge, huge help. And I know one particular time about a month ago, I went into the Adoration Chapel and I just said, Lord, it's it's too heavy. Like, I'm embarrassed to say that to you because of what you did on the cross for me, but I'm going to say it. This is too heavy. I need your help. And I really, it felt so good to admit that, first of all, admit it to Jesus himself. Um, but also I just kind of felt this sense of peace that I will carry you and I will help you. And he does, even though certain days are super hard, you know, he might give you three more really good ones. So I think that the adoration chapel is huge. Um, I also am a big novena girl. I, I say the saints are my best friends. I do so many novenas and it's amazing. It is. I mean, it's just blows your mind. Even though it, I've gotten prayers answered over and over, I still am shocked every time it happens. And so I love, I just love that. So I definitely turn to the saints for help. I always have my miraculous medal on. I feel like my outward signs kind of keep the evil guy away. <laughs> um, so I do that as well. Yeah. And Amy, for our listeners who might be interested or maybe not even aware of what a novena is, where do you find the novenas? You know, I used to have little booklets back before the internet was so accessible. Um, but now I'll just Google. I, I, I'll, I go normally go to St. Jude or St. Anthony or St. Therese. Those are like my go-to people. Um, but you can, you know, Google whatever need that you have. So, you know, if you're praying for a cancer person or if you're praying for help with an addiction that you have, you know, you can Google any of those things. And there's all kinds of Catholic sites that have information about saints. And a novena is a nine-day prayer. There's also the emergency novena um, that I do quite frequently, which is the memoir prayer. And that is kind of cool because you can do it 10 times in a row. Mm -hmm. They say nine times and then one more time as a thank you to Jesus. Um, but I like to do that if I don't have time for nine days. Nice. Nice. You know, I have to tell you, I still go look for a booklet. I never even thought to Google a novena. So oh, yes. good information for me. So, yes. Yeah. There you go. Amy, we, we all have uh, a lot of great gifts that the Lord has given us to help bring others to heaven. You've spoken a lot about your gift of seeing the beauty of death and walking with people basically to the other side and bringing them closer to Jesus as they're going. Uh, can you think of any other gifts the Lord's given you to help you evangelize? Yes, I think I just have a gift of speaking very confidently about my faith. Um, I'm not scared to talk about my faith and any of my, I have a ton of friends that aren't Catholic and they tease me all the time <laughs> because I, as soon as I start drinking beer or wine, the evangelization just starts flowing. <laughs> um, but I, I just, I love to talk to people about my faith and, and I love to just give just little snippets of things that have happened in my life in hopes that it might, ex, you know, ignite a flame in them. I love it. I love it. 
You know, Amy, we also like to talk at Our Lady of Mount Carmel about grateful no matter what. What are you most grateful for? I would say I'm just grateful to be healthy and living another day. Losing um, a brother and sister, both of them before they turned 50, really made me cherish every single day that I've given. And I just turned 50 in January and it just felt fantastic to know that I, you know, I live to be 50 and, and that's a gift in itself. So I try to cherish each day, even the days that I'm in the adoration chapel begging about that cross. (laughs) It's still a gift. It's still a gift. So I would say just life in general. Nice. Amen. Uh, Amy, who would you say is your, your greatest faith influencer? Definitely my mom. Um, She is 87 years old. And if you spoke to anyone in my hometown, everyone says the same thing. They say she is the closest thing to a saint that they've ever met. She truly radiates Christ. And it doesn't matter if, you know, she's crying or laughing. She just radiates that love of Christ. And she's been through so much with her children And she never, never loses sight of her faith. Mm -hmm. People say that to her all the time. You know, how can you bury two children and still be so on fire for for Jesus? And she said, how could I not be? You know, Mm -hmm. this this isn't the place that's supposed to be happy. It's the next place. She always tells me that, you know, we're not supposed to be. This isn't our comfortable place. It's the next place. Oh, nice, nice. And I would say, Amy, you know, I'm from a small town right next to your small hometown. And actually, I'm from a smaller hometown. (laughs) And not only do people in your hometown think that about your mom, but in the surrounding towns as well, too. So she's a beautiful person. So, well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story and Our goal is always to inspire other people to share their stories as well. I I think a good call to action, which sometimes we do and sometimes we don't, uh, it's our own flaw. I think a good call to action, judging by Amy's story, um, there's so many things you could pull from, go to the Adoration Chapel, start a novena, uh, really dive deep into chirp and and, into your relationship with Mary. But the simple thing I want to do that's attainable is to... Look up the Memorari prayer and do the emergency novena, 10 Memoraries, just sometime today or this week would be amazing. And do it for your family. Do it for a friend. Do it for those who need your help or maybe loved ones that have already passed away. Yeah. I love that. Nice. Very nice. Love that. Amy, would you like to end this in a prayer? Absolutely, I will. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to spread any wisdom that I have gained from you or your beautiful mother with other people who are listening. And I thank you for David and Jody who take their time to do these podcasts. Lord, we ask that everything that we do, we offer to you and that we just look forward to Lent as a time to really let go of ourselves and become more like you, whether that be through novenas or reading scripture or almsgiving or fasting. Let us just take this time to truly get to be closer to you. Amen. Amen. Amen.